Hey everyone, it's Mike. Uh, just before we hop into this episode, I wanted to, you know, just address Rachel's absence here. Um, behind the scenes, I've never really seen a more just like resilient person uh, than than Rachel in the last little bit between like her thesis and there's just been a lot of things that have been going on um, with her that she's been able to fight through and you know be able to produce the show here and do everything and it's been fantastic um, with how she's been able to to get through this. But, you know, recently there was a family emergency for her that she's had to, you know, kind of drop everything and attend to. And so that's essentially why she's not here today. And it's also it's it's her thing. So when she's back, she'll you know, she'll address it. It's it's not, you know, it's it's not a, you know, a big deal here or anything. But I am just I'm I just want to say, you know, off the top here, I'm so proud of everything that she's been able to do, um, you know, just to be able to to be a co-host on this show. Um, so she's obviously missed every time I record an episode without her, it, you know, it, it feels empty and yeah. So, so, you know, I'm only saying this just because, you know, there were a lot, there were times before where, you know, people were, were, you know, Rachel's a, a you know, basically a guest co-host of this time, which is really unfair to say, um, because she is, you know, she's had a lot of things kind of put on her shoulders just through life and she is, is trucking on through it and I could not be more proud of her and I could not miss her more. And, uh, you know. She's my best friend and she's the best co-host I could ever have. So yeah, just everyone, you know, keep a good thought uh, with her and her family and enjoy this episode that's coming up. Rachel will be back soon. You know, life will be returned to normal and everything will be okay. Get your vaccine. The Staff and Graf Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled. So I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In links or salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome back to the Staff and Graph Podcast. I am Mike Stevens, and sitting virtually across from me is not Rachel Dory, the, fu- the first future female GM in NHL history, but it is someone who's potentially even hotter. It's Adam Wilde. Hello. <laughs> How you doing, Adam? Uh, I mean, listen, you can't build me up like that. That's a, it's just a lie, and we can't have that. Yeah. Look, I'm, can't I can't start I, off the show with a big lie. I think Rachel, I, I love, I love Rachel as we all know. She's fantastic, but I will say you do have your, your butt is, is much more down my, my alley. Yeah. Thank I'll you. just put it that thank way. Thank you. It sits high and it sits yeah. out and that's what, that's what you need to know. So thank S- you. I appreciate that. Mike. Sits thank high, you. sits out. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so how you doing, man? Like this is, we, we live in crazy times, but we're here. You're wearing a headband. It's, it's, it's go time. We're having yeah, fun. man. Like, so I'm wearing a headband because my hair is now, it's been seven months since I had a haircut and Same my here. hair is super curly and I've got it. I don't know if I've told you this before. I have a big butt and a big head. And mm-hmm. so if I wear a hat for too long, I get headaches. So the yeah. way around that is to wear headbands because you get to a point where you like try to try to put any product in your hair. And because my hair is so curly, it just doesn't do anything. So now I'm just, I, I I'm using, uh, one of my friends gave me her old Lululemon <laughs> headband. And, uh, and then I, I liked it so much that I bought three more. So I'm going to start wearing different colored headbands for the next eight to 10 weeks. Whenever, you know, whenever I can get a haircut again, I'm going to go see my boy Philippe, uh, uh, Fiorio's. But in the meantime, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be headbands. Uh, so I'm going to look like, you know, an early eighties Pat Benatar, which is kind of cool. I'm excited for that. And, um, yeah, man, it's like, it's 
like I wish I look at you right now and you can't see if you can't see Mike right now. Um, he's got a hat on. It's a trucker hat. It's backwards. Well, Looks it's great. It's more of a it's yeah, I would say it's a trucker hat. Yeah, but it's it's comfortable. It's from yeah, it's from when uh, it's from when I worked in corporate real estate and we had one of these, you know, like corporate softball games called the Dream World Series and they gave us all this merch. So my this hat is my main hat. You know how every guy has like their hat, right? You know, the one that they wear all the time. This is it. Water balls is fantastic. Anyway, that has nothing to do with what you were saying. So please continue. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, if you look at, at what Mike's wearing, Mike's got the, the hat on. And I and I wish I could do that. Like, they're like, I, I can't tell you how many people uh, that I talk to that are like, like, especially women that like, they're like, well, guys are so much hotter in hats. I'm like, not going to be one of those guys. It's so weird because I like I'm only wearing this literally like a because I just. Like, first of all, I don't see anyone. So, like, it doesn't matter. I don't need to care about how I look at this point, which is nice. So, it, there's a little bit that off my shoulders. But also, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big, you know, I'm not on billboards everywhere. I literally see your face, like, four times every single day outside. <laughs> it's absurd. That's, You're watching me. <laughs> That's because um, we, we got lucky. We got that fall campaign, and then the lockdown happened, and people stopped buying advertising. So, it's just sort of, our billboards are just sort of sitting there. But that was when I actually had short hair. <laughs> Um, yeah. so yeah, they're, they're starting to come down now. I've noticed like there was one on Adelaide on the, like, yeah, I, I, I drive that every day on the way to work. And I was like, oh, that's, that's finally coming down now. Like it's about time. And there's start billboards after a while too. Like they're not made to last. No. So they start to peel and they look like shit. And you're like, I hope that comes down soon. And I hope someone <laughs> else buys that space because holy smokes, it's not making us look great. The one that you were on. Cause I, I used to walk, I, when I lived in Kensington market, I would like go see, uh, go see movies on my own. That was my like number one thing. I've, I pound this drum all the time, but like, and I would go to Scotiabank theater and that's like right where that like Adelaide, like you could see that very clearly. And the one before you guys was the most, this is the most niche topic ever. I don't give a shit. It's my podcast. I'm going to talk about it. It's, I'm in whatever you want. <laughs> it, was, it was like down on Spadina and like Adelaide, the one where, where yours was. And it was the most like the one, the ad before you, it was just this picture, like entire billboard of this like infected eye. And it was about like, go see a doctor. Like you like do use this app and you can see a doctor extra quick if this happens to you. And I'm like, who the, f who approved this? I, I remember that. Do you remember that? I remember that. It did catch your eye though. I, I right. mean, pun intended, but like, it's yeah, it's just absurd, absurd, but you're going to become he headband guy now. Like that's your thing. I am. I'm going to be headband guy. I might be, I might bring back my 80 sunglasses from do last it. year. I, I like where the summer's going for me because uh, I certainly haven't Hot loved how the summer. spring's gone. Hot boy summer, man. Hot boy summer. According to Chad Hanks, it's a white boy summer. Uh, have you heard that yet? Oh my God. Yeah, I've heard that. It's, uh, he's, he's quite a, oh, wait, 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 a song? You haven't I heard the song? No, I just heard about the general idea and the rules. Oh, I didn't hear this. Man. Oh, no. I'm oh, really no. sad that you haven't heard about the song. So there's a, so he's released a song a week after that video and he actually Smart talks marketer. about, um, uh, talks about uh, talking in Patois in it. And uh, there's a bunch of models in it. And like, you realize like, listen, I know it's Tom Cruise's or Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks's son. But if you have money, you could pretty much do whatever the fuck you want. Like it's exactly, it's crazy. Like this guy, he puts out a video, it goes viral. And he's like, you know what, this week, I'm going to record a song and shoot a music video. Yeah. And I'm just going to do that. That's what I'm doing with my money now. Just for and fun. And I, I just, I don't know what living that kind of life is, but you do need to check out White Boy Summer just so you can, you can be deter disturbed, turned off, and then read the comments because they're absolutely hilarious. Oh my God. So, yeah. I, like, I feel like, 
I don't know if he's in on the joke or not. You I, know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure he gets it. I don't think he is because I remember I I, I was listening to, you know, Cody Co. You, you know who he is, like YouTuber. Yep. So, yeah. So I, I listened to the Tiny Meat Gang podcast. Love those guys. And they were they were going through a cameo that he sent this girl. And he was talking about like, I know you've heard about this whole like white boy summer thing I got going on and all that. So I think he's legit. Like, I think he wants to make this a brand, which is really weird. Like, it's I mean, good for him, man. Good for you know what? Like it works for him, I guess. Diversify, do all that. It's crazy. Uh, But speaking of terrible comments, Patrick Marlowe is he's set to play the NHL. He's set to set the NHL career games played record tonight, which is fantastic. Like that is when Jeff Merrick brings this up all the time. Um, where he talks to a lot of, you know, former players at the, at, you know, he, he goes to this gym or I guess used to, because that's illegal now, but he goes, he, he goes to a gym with a lot of former players and he always talks to them about stuff. And the one thing like the one accomplishment that they bring up before anything is games played. They'll be like, Oh, how, what do you think of Kevin BX? Oh, that guy's awesome. Thousand games played. You know, that's, that's like, it's not like, you know, 500 goals or this it's games played. So for this guy, 17, 1738 games is absurd to put that into context. I was. I believe one, like when <laughs> he when he debuted. Like I was born on February seventeenth, nineteen ninety six, and he debuted on I think it was October seventeenth, nineteen ninety seven, or something like that, which is just absurd. So this is fantastic. But the comments that have been rolling in for some reason, the nicest guy in the world, the guy's making seven hundred grand now. He's you know n- never never done a bad. I don't think he's ever been suspended, Olympian, all that stuff. For some reason, people are choosing Patrick Marlowe as the, like, I don't know, the the straw man for certain, like, grievances they want. I have no, what is going on? Because Twitter, we had a big conversation about it before we started. Twitter has been extra toxic today over what should be the least toxic person on the planet. Well, I mean, okay, so it's two people, right? It's Rosie D'Amato and, yeah. and Steve Simmons. And I think, you know, they're from different publications. If you're not from Toronto, like, the Toronto Sun is a right-wing uh, tabloid t- style kind of newspaper and and the Toronto Star um, is sort of uh, you know a centrist um, pretty good newspaper like they're not there's nothing wrong I think you know the the problem is in Toronto is the the sports space is pretty crowded and and uh, um, you know there are a lot of sports reporters here because we do love our sports no matter how heartbreaking and shitty they can be sometimes <laughs> yeah um, and you know both of these writers and I I've met Steve Simmons in person yeah. Uh, and I genuinely really liked him. Like he's not a bad person, uh, but this his his the the brand that he puts across is so abrasive uh, and needlessly cruel in odd situations. Like I know there are times where I've overstepped. Right, you know, Mike, you can't, as you know, you can't make a living with speaking without mm-hmm. you know putting your foot in your mouth from time to time. And I think it happens for me probably once or twice a month. You know, I do a lot of talking. It's the morning show. It's the podcast. It's a bunch of other stuff. So every once in a while you overstep, somebody's got to call you on it. And, and usually it's your co-hosts who know, right? Yeah. And then your boss calls you and says, hey, you probably should not. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, the thing is, is that like, I, I think there's a difference between having a bad take mm-hmm. and intentionally being rude to a nice guy. Like, yeah. So, you know, the, the, the tweets, you know, Rosie DeMano basically said he should have quit before beating Gordie Howe because he's, he doesn't compare to Gordie Howe. And Steve Simmons listed off a bunch of trophies and said Patrick Marlowe didn't win any of them and the, all these guys did. And I don't think anybody looks at Patrick Marlowe and goes, 
he's up there with Orr and Howe and Gretzky and Lemieux. Mm-hmm. But in this one stat, he is. In fact, Absolutely. he's beaten them all. It's a stat. He's played that many games. And to be a useful player that long is an incredible accomplishment. But what they've done here is reinforce the brand that they think sells. And I think, you know, the newspapers that employ them keep them employed for a reason. Steve Simmons sells on hate clicks. He does. Uh, Rosie DeMano, I'm, I'm not really fully sure because she's not, she doesn't always write about sports and she doesn't always write things that are so nasty, but it's just seemed to, it seemed a bit like mean, like wh- why are we yeah. attacking? This is the nice guy in the class. Why are we going after him? And, and so um, I, I would be curious as to why they chose him tonight as a, a, the topic of conversation. I do think that there's a business element to this. I think that everybody, um, my, my announcing teacher in school, and I'll shut up in a second, Mike, I apologize. No, no. Said when when you're talking on the air, you're you plus 10%, right? Mm -hmm. It's you plus it's, it's a a bit of an exaggerated version of you. And maybe that's where they feel they need to go. But I just, I, I don't know what could be so detestable about Patrick Marlowe passing Gordy Howe. Like it's just, it records are there to be broken. Uh, Gordy's professional record is never going to be broken, really. No. Um, and and frankly, it just seems like an odd guy to take a shot at. And I think um, I think they both sort of make their living on being a little controversial. It's just an odd choice, right? If you're going to be, there are yeah. people that are good controversial, and then there's that. There are there are a lot of like boys that deserve to be whipped. Let's just say, you know, like there there are a lot of there are a lot of targets to choose. And like, I, you know, from a very young age, I was like instilled with, with the sentiment of, you know, choose the hill you want to die on, you know, like there's like, you can't die on every hill. You can't, I, I used to do that. And, and, and it just like exhausted you and made you, you know, just, a, 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 it just made your life so boring and, and, and infuriating. And so I'm like, all right, you know, I see a bad take, whatever you move on. I'm sure you do the same thing first, but like for them, like, for Steve Simmons and Rosie D'Amato to choose this as the hill they want to die on, like, because they're not just putting out it's, and it's the thing is, is that they, they believe it too. You can tell this is not like, it's not a, it's not a, a, you know, transparent, you know, for the bit, for the clicks. I think there is some sort of business aspect to it, obviously, like you said, but like they're replying to people, they're doubling down, they're tripling down, you know, it seems, and it's just really weird. Like, I don't want to spend too much time on like the, you know, the shitheads in the whole matter, but like, it's, but it, well, it just, we, should, it's weird. we should talk. I mean, really, we want to spend time talking about how cool Pat, how cool this is for Patrick Marlowe. And, and, and it's good news for a league that's had nothing but shit news for the last two weeks. I think, boy, I, oh I think what I would say, Mike, to, 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 to add to what you said is mm-hmm. I think it diminishes the talent that they both have. Yes. They're both very good writers. And I think when you write something like that, it misrepresents the talent that you have. I, I feel like they're better than that, frankly. I when has do. when has anyone ever commented on the quality of a Steve Simmons piece? Like when has anyone ever read it and gone like, man, this is just like the this is such great. Like, for example, like remember when like, like the greatest piece of journalism in the last, you know, I would say like five years was the Paul Fenton expose. That was just incredible. You love to quote it. I loved it. Like, I want that thing tattooed on my eyelids. Incredible. And everyone kept talking. Yeah, there's a lot of bombs in there, but it was a really well written piece. Same with Katie Strang's, you know, expose on. Just going to say. Exactly. Same with Katie Strang's expose. Yeah. Where you, when you guys had her on the show right after, incredible get. And like it, 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 what everyone was like, wow, the, the actual content of this is it's staggering. It's, it's incredible. But the way that it's like sort of constructed and draws you in is amazing. When was the last time that someone read a Steve Simmons piece and was like, wow, this guy really knows how to tell stories. This is incredible. Like he's not, 
I think he, I think he does though. But, but that's, that's not the main focal point with, with a bad, with, to me, not a line that I would take. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, he's, I, I, I think, I think you gotta be somewhat talented to even to pull off what he's pulled off. You know what he is? He's the Burger King tweet that was like, women belong in the kitchen. All right. Now that we have your attention, we're doing this like charity thing where and it's, it's him like getting your attention through the shittiest, like, you know, I, I would say just like cheap way possible. And then he and then he's like, all right, now here's my journalism. But no one gives a shit about the journalism after that. If he starts with, you know, just slapping you in the face, it sucks. It's annoying. Speaking of things that suck and are not annoying, though, because it's hilarious. Did you see his his commemorative gloves? Patrick's? Yes. No, I didn't. You didn't? OK. No. Oh, my Should God. I look up? Yes, you absolutely should right now. And I want you to tell me the two things that are wrong with the picture. Oh, you just search Marlo gloves. OK. Oh, Okay, so that's the wrong leaf logo. Yep, number one. Um, seven. I'm wondering if now I'm terrible with numbers, as you know. So I'm wondering if is it sixteen, seventeen hundred sixty eighth NHL game? It, is that okay? That's okay. It's the fact. Read that sentence out and see if it makes grammatical sense. Oh, <laughs> uh, most games played in NHL history. 700, 1768 NHL games. Oh, yeah, I see there it. we go. There we go. I see it. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh how do you, how, how does this, not only is it the wrong leaf logo that he never wore, it hasn't been in circulation since 2015. But, but uh, I don't yeah, know, man. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, we could have done better, but I think maybe they were done in a rush. They tried. We'll give them a, maybe we give them a pass because it's a pandemic. Yes. Okay. You know what? Everyone kind of, we're out, we're all operating at 60%. And try to get hockey stuff done in San Jose. True. Yeah. Okay? Like, you know, no, with, I mean, I, I know Sharks fans are devoted mm -hmm. and the state of California is quickly becoming a hockey state, but I think in the list of sports, it's still quite far down. Uh, and, and I'm sure getting that done last minute was probably difficult. So, uh, unfortunately that Leafs logo, that bugs me more than the grammatical yeah. error. Maybe that pissed me off. Yeah. It's like, come on guys. That ruined my day. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is absurd. This is ridiculous. It's like, well, yeah, I don't know. Speaking of absurd things, massive segues tonight is Alex Edler suspended two games for his knee on, on Zach Hyman. Now I'm sure you got like, you get, you recorded the SDP before this. So I haven't listened to it yet. Didn't get the advanced copy. It's Damn not shame. up yet, so not don't up. worry okay. about it. Well, it's the thing about Edler, and I'm sure you guys cover this, is that he's kind of sneaky dirty. Like he he has some he he has a history that's specifically with the knee. And for example, like he was suspended for the first two games of the 2014 Olympics for a knee on knee with Eric Stahl in a world championship game the previous summer. Like this guy, he's he seems everyone was getting on Twitter, he's like, he's the nicest guy, this, that, whatever. But like this guy has a history like he's he's not classified as a repeat offender because it hasn't happened in re like as recent as possible. Like in a world where Tom Wilson isn't a repeat offender, Alex Edler's not a repeat offender. But this is a guy who has a penchant for, you know, just at the last minute sticking out that knee and, and really handicapping someone. Two games. What do we think of the suspension? What do we think of the hit? Let's just break this all down. I think I think Kevin Vieira did a good job breaking it down mm. last day. Wow. Shocker. Yeah, he's pretty amazing, huh? What a Jeez. what a spectacular guy! Came he out is. of nowhere wow. that Kevin Bieksa did something really well. Oh man, what a surprise! It's crazy. Um, I don't, you know, when I saw the hit, obviously as a fan, you're upset, but I think I'm trying to be objective. Um, I don't think he meant to do it. 
Um, I know he's got, he's had things like that. I'm sure he was trying to clip Hyman, Mm -hmm. but I also think like, I know what it's like to be tired out there after 20 seconds and you try to hit someone and your whole body's like groaning and not wanting to move. You know, this guy, he was out there for three minutes. Like he must've been gassed. And then on top of that, um, you know, probably trying to catch Zach Hyman with a shoulder and the knee was the first thing to come out. And like, I listen, it's not a good look. It's mm-hmm. for sure not a good look. That's why he was suspended. But do I think that Alex Edler is going out there going, I'm going to fuck up Zach Hyman's yeah. day? Uh, no, I don't think that either, right? It's just, yeah. it, you know, it, the leaf enemy was mad because we need Zach Hyman, but it looks like it's not as bad as they thought. Um, mm. So that's good. That's great news. Um, and, you know, I, I applaud the NHL because I'm trying to applaud them as much as you can. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I applaud the NHL for for saying, no, we're not going to allow that, but not going overboard either. Like, I don't think Canucks fans are overly upset. If it was a Leafs player, I'd be like, yeah, he needs to go for a couple of games. Like, that's, yeah. you can't do that. Um, so I know it's not, Mike, the, the, the hottest take in the world. Like, screw this guy. He deserves to be out of the league. But, like, it's just, it was one of those hits that I think does happen, is suspendable, but maybe is not intentional. Does that make sense? You're right. And I guess in, in the spirit of, you know, sports talk shows, I got to get go the other way and say that he deserves the death penalty. Like, that's the only way to do it. <laughs> that's right. And uh, somehow make it about LeBron James. Yeah, I don't now, know how, but you have to bring LeBron James into this. Now, skip. Now, skip. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> just absurd. Like, man, I could watch American sports talk all day. It's incredible. It's the greatest. It's incredible. It's the greatest. It, it doesn't even make sense most of the time. And that's what makes it, it so much fun. Just exactly. Again, we're talking about. We were talking about uh, earlier 10% more. Like Stephen A. Smith's probably 50% more than Stephen A. Smith off the air. You know what? But I don't character. buy that. I think I Stephen A. is. I think Stephen A. is through and through. I think he's exactly who he is on camera off. Like I think he is. I think Stephen A. is the one guy where like he'll be ordering like a coffee and will be like, you know, oat milk. That's preposterous. Like he'll just, he'll be going. I think he's, I think he's fully on brand. Skip, on the other hand, is a full on, you know, huckster and a coward. But Stephen A, I think that guy's through and through. Um, Alex Ovechkin, uh-huh. hard pivot into this one. His seemed like a foregone conclusion, even on the last episode. Rachel and I were talking about this, and I, we were just kind of running down some free agents, and I was just like, yeah, but Ovechkin's going to resign. It'll be fine. And we, we both kind of like hand-waved it away. doesn't seem like it's going to be necessarily hand-waved. I, I think it probably still will happen, but talks are more, I would say, like, I don't know. Talks seem to be a little more acrimonious than they should be here. Um, because essentially when asked about, when asked about the possibility of re-signing with the Caps this offseason, Alex Ovechkin responded, we'll see. And then Brian McClellan on April 12th kind of spoke about this earlier and said, the talks were still status quo. We're still talking. We'll work it out when we work it out, which is not necessarily a ringing endorsement for the greatest player in your franchise's history. Do you think that there's a chance that Alex Ovechkin isn't the Washington capital at any point for the remainder of his career? Well, I mean, it's pretty clear that, that, something something was said yeah and i think mcclellan backed himself a little bit into a corner and maybe he had to do this uh but when you trade vrana and all those picks for mantha boy are you ever sending a message that um that you need to sign alexander ovechkin and as though ovechkin didn't have all the cards in his corner anyway but all the same if vrana's gone i think that that you know the first thing mcclellan said was um, we wanted cost certainty. And I know that there was a bit of a falling out between Brana and the franchise. I get that. But I think, you know, that's something with under normal circumstances, you probably could just work out. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, uh, I don't know what Ovechkin wants to make. If it's, if it's, if it's Matthew's money, if it's, if it's McDavid money, cause you got to remember McDavid money's outdated now. Yeah. You know, McDavid, when he signed, he's underpaid, you know, yeah. Yeah. And ultimately, I mean, what he provides for that team, it's a steal at 12 and a half million dollars. Um, and I think Ovi's got to probably look at this the same way. And I'm sure McClellan's point to him is, well, how many more cups do you want to win? I know you want to make a lot of money and you will. And, but, but if, if you, if you back off two or 3 million bucks, we can add another Anthony Mantha. Um, and, and I, I wonder if they're, they're kind of playing hardball with each other right now. I think ultimately, like, how does that not get done? Yeah. I think it was, it, it, it looks, it would look really funny and weird. I mean, weirder things, I guess, have happened. If you can trade Gretzky, oh it God. can happen. Cliche alert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like at the same time, <laughs> no, it's, it's true. Like, it's true. That's the shame. Like, like is, is Ovi really going to leave the Capitals and the Capitals really going to let him go? No, it was like, um, it's, it's one of those situations that reminds me of when the Flames were in the worst part of their arena negotiations with the city. Yeah. And Ken King, uh, uh, who has sadly since passed, um, basically suggested that the Flames would leave. And mm. it, at the time, everyone was like, oh, my God, they might leave. It's like they're not going to leave. They're they never going to leave. 30 years of heritage there. That's a profitable market. The NHL can't afford to lose that. So you are going to have to work this out. You might not like each other much right now, but at the end of the day, Alexander Ovechkin knows the best place for him is Washington and the Capitals know that they are not going to be great without him. Keep, keep the guy that should be probably at the end of his career, the most NHL goals in history. Like hopefully he does it. He probably will. That guy. Yeah. You pay to keep that guy. Wow. What a, that's, that's groundbreaking analysis right there, Adam. It's crazy. It's crazy, I know. Keep, well, you brought me on here, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't wait for someone to come out when he, when he does that, you know, oh, Alex Ovechkin, that's, you know, he should have quit right before he broke Wayne Gretzky's, you know, it's, it's all about respect. It's oh my God, fucking Rosie DeMano. I bring all this back to, I bring all of my sports analysis back to my MLB, the show franchise where I am the, where I am the GM of the Detroit Tigers. And there's a similar situation like this where I have a catcher. His name's Kbert Ruiz. He 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 exists in real life, but he's like in the minors right now. But considering I'm in the 2030 season by now, it's uh, he's he's you know an NHL vet or an MLB vet, and he reach he was reaching free agency I think in 2026. And this is this catcher is like he you know automatic silver slugger, incredible incredible defense. You know I, I got him for a steal from the Dodgers when I first started like took over. Incredible. This guy he's a catcher. He gives you like nine ten WAR a year, and the max that a free agent in this game can ask for is like they can they can you can kind of ramp it up later, but you the initial ask is thirty one million dollars per season. And I get and I and I'm in spring training of the year. You can sign contract extensions the year before. So like you, so like the year of like their pending UFA year at the start in spring training, you can give them an extension. And I looked at this and I'm like, yeah, maybe I can save like, you know, maybe like two, three mil per year on like an eight year deal. If I like bring this down to the wire and like really negotiate or whatever. But like, then I risked the op, then I risked the chance of losing like literally a cheat code in the game. And so I thought, fuck yeah. it, I'm giving him an eight year deal at 31 million and I'll figure out the rest later. And that's somewhat Alex Ovechkin. Like, it's just... This guy is the greatest goal scorer who has ever touched the ice, essentially. Like, he is, he, the guy has revitalized Washington as a hockey market. It was, it was dead when he came. Like, if we remember, and like, you know, Yammer Yager almost killed it, if we remember too. And this, he, he's brought you a championship. He's brought you countless memories. He's made your, 
your organization into a dominant brand in the NHL through, you know, battles with Sid and being one of the best players ever. He's in there. He was, you know, he's one of the only hockey players who's featured in a, this is sports center commercial on ESPN when they didn't even have the rights to the NHL. Like it's, you know, and so I would say maybe don't haggle with that guy. Maybe try and trim the fat. Like they just gave Trevor Van Riemsdyk an extension. You know, I think it was for 750 or maybe it was 950. Either way, it was like a little more than league men. I'm like, hey, maybe just maybe like haggle on those kind of, you know, hundreds of thousands per year. Then then trying to bring Alex Ovechkin down and piss him off. Just give him the Caber Ruiz contract. Have know that know that no matter what you have Alex goddamn Ovechkin in the spot in his spot on the power play, which is an automatic when you put the math into it, like, I don't know, it, it, it's it's an automatic 40 goals a year. What like maybe don't dick around. And I, I think I think on top of that, Mike, you've got a situation with him where like, you know, the one thing that old players all have is the ability to pass and the ability to shoot. Yeah. Like you see you see it with Jason Spezza. That oh, is a shot. It's that a is great. A sh- it's a great shot. Can he get to the spots where he needs to get as quickly as he used to? No. Uh, so when you do get him in that shot, that spot and set up, it's good. And what's Alexander Ovechkin known for? The off wing, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's flat on his feet, basically. He's not moving, and he just fires the puck at the net. He can do that till he's 41 or 42. So, yeah, I know they're probably worried about spending 10, 12, 13 million dollars on a player that, you know, could potentially be less useful on the other side of the puck as things go on. But I, I don't think that there's, um, I, I don't know, like, I, I think when you're talking about maybe one of the top 20, top 10 best players of all time, you just kind of bite the bullet and do it. Exactly. Like, oh, well. And like, like you said, you figure it out later. There's, there's so many ways to augment a team that has high salaries up front. Like you look at the Leafs, they, Kyle Dubas has done an incredible job and does not get enough credit for finding value. Nobody could make Alex Galchenyuk a, a serviceable player, you know, no. for the last five or six years. Seven teams tried and they couldn't do it. And look at what he's done. Why? How? And so if I'm Brian McClellan, it's like, no, the, the, the me being a good GM is not haggling Ovechkin. Me being a good giant GM is finding value after I've paid Ovechkin. Does that, that make sense? Abs- no, absolutely. Like, like I said, like just sign him and figure it out later. Find, like haggle with haggle with the depth guys. Sha- find the, you know, let's say they're going to give him, like they're going to shave him down like a million dollars per year, like on his AAV. I think that's probably fair. Like he'll probably end up signing like, you know, 10, 11. Um, and if he really took a team friendly deal, it would be like 10, nine, something like that. I feel like cumulatively, whatever you can find that cumulative a million dollar difference by shaving down a hundred grand on, you know, these, these 900, $800,000 players that you can just pluck from the minors and put in a, in a position to succeed kind of like the least did, you know, like did it's, they not have Travis Boyd. Exactly. Travis Boyd, e- even though he didn't really succeed here, he was still a, he was still a player like Jimmy VC, but like, and even so like the Leafs, I remember they signed seven dudes on one day a summer ago and some of those guys are still in the organization and none of them really kind of panned out, but there are a million of those guys on the trade market or on the free agent market every year. And as well, like with a flat cap, people are not going to be paying guys no matter what. So you're going to be able to find those gems. There's going to be squeezes. There's going to be guys, you know, like, like for example, like an Anthony Duclair, he eventually got it, like he got it figured out, but he's going to like, there are going to be guys somewhat along those lines who are going to kind of feel that gonna feel that crunch and you can get them for way lower than you thought so just choose like the your, Tyler deal exactly yeah, yeah. he's got 21 goals and they got him for less money than he was making last year 
Exactly. You know, it's it's absurd. It's crazy. Yeah. Speaking of ways to augment teams, though, and this is our last uh, headline before we hop into some fun Formula One talk, is the NHL plans to crack down on LTIR shenanigans. This is reported on the wonderful headline segment on uh, Hockey Night in Canada. I was searching for the word there for a second. Um, I find this really interesting because... I wonder, first of all, there's a couple things here. A, this is a long time coming. Teams have been using this forever. And in a flat cap world, this is kind of the only way that you can, like this is sort of your only advantage is to use LTIR and trying to to try and build a competitive team or a, a contending team year after year and retain these players. But I wonder if, I wonder if Kucherov sparked this because we all know what's going to happen. He's skating 10 weeks. He was skating 10 weeks before he's slated to return. And I also think that, so Stamkos went down. He's going to be out for a little while. And there were people thinking, like they put him on LTIR. And I think that there was rumblings, you know, you, you know, the rumblings or chat you hear around that Kucherov, you know, oh, but Kucherov might be, might be ahead of schedule. He could possibly return now because Stamkos is on LTIR. So you can just flip him back on. And I think maybe this report was somewhat like, hey, cut the shit. Don't do that. Like, it's like the league kind of sending a warning shot. I don't know. This, I'm really interested, especially with a flat cap going forward. There's 17 teams in the NHL right now that are using LTI space. Yeah. I'm really interested to see how this plays out. What What do you think of this? Well, I find it hard to imagine that the NHL could get anything approved when most teams are doing it. Yeah. Like you just said it, 17 teams are using LTIR right now. And all of it, all of it is to the team's benefit. Yes. Uh, you know, a team doesn't put a, a player on LTIR unless it benefits the team, which makes sense, right? That's the whole point. So why would teams intentionally make it harder on themselves? I'm sure there's a few smaller market teams who are like, hey, we can't spend that kind of money. There's nothing that the NHL can really do about that. Well, too bad. Stop being poor. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's more along the lines of if you are a smaller market team, you got to you got to really, yeah, you got to stop being poor, yeah. uh, but you also have to, you have it's to find easy. value in those valuable players. And I, I think LTIR is the only way that there's any sort of cap relief. I might, you know, I, people have laughed, laughed at me from the beginning, but I, I, I think that, you know, a, um, a, a luxury tax and then a hard cap on the luxury tax would work great. I also thought about like, I've always said this, why can't you have a cap, um, like in, I don't know if you call it an accelerator, but basically extra cap room Mm -hmm. um, after the trade deadline, meaning that say everybody gets an extra 5% or everybody gets an extra 10%. Yeah. And for what that means for the NHL is teams that are going to the playoffs can go out and buy a bunch of stars and bring them to the, bring them to the playoffs. Cause that's what teams would do. They would go out and they'd make bigger moves for guys like, you know, you'd have, instead of one Taylor Hall, you'd have three Taylor Halls move at the deadline mm-hmm. because the salary cap would accommodate it. If I'm the NHL, you know, I know parity seems to be their focus. If I'm the NHL, I need to accentuate the best thing about the sport. The best thing about the sport is the playoffs. They're absolutely the NHL playoffs. Even, you know, you have Charles Barkley saying the NHL playoffs are phenomenal. They are. How do I get better players in the, in the, in the playoffs? I got to open up the cap somehow. And if you've got that piece at the end of the season where teams um, can can take on salary, whether they're leaving the play or whether they're going to the playoffs or not, so they can, you know, bad contracts can be dumped and money can be moved. You are basically raising the level of play and the level of stars that you have on your biggest stage. And I don't think, you know, if, if they're going to crack down on LTIR, I hope they have some sort of suggestion on what they can do to stop the, um, it's like a, it's like concrete, like wet concrete. Just yeah. Malaise. Fully, 
It yeah, because I mean the the cap's gonna be flat for minimum. Like they're saying four years now. Yeah, it's a long time. Well, hundred percent. And so okay, if it's gonna be at eighty one and a half million dollars for that long, there's got to be somewhere to move in between there. Mm-hmm. And the players you know are gonna be for it because it means they're gonna make more money. The team should be for it because it would make them more competitive. I'm not sure who loses here, and the, and the NHL would be for it because big players are moving. And if you look at the NBA, it's, I was just about to say N- that. The, the NBA is like, it's it's not who Kevin Durant plays for right now. It's who he might sign with in summer 2023. And exactly. we're going to talk about it for the next two years. Literally when Kawhi left the Raptors, like there was there was that you know, little bit of moment. And then there was the, is he going to come back in 2021? Let's, let's, let's speculate on this. Giannis, for years, there was an entire cottage industry of fake insider takes being like, 2021 Giannis, you know, we're hearing that him and Masai, you know, they've been texting each other. And the thing I love about the NBA too, that I've always wanted to have implemented into the NHL. I think this would be so, this would be so entertaining and it would, it would be entertaining in the sense that it would, it would do exactly what you're doing or you're, you're advocating for, which is bring like getting good players on teams to go into the playoffs. But it also essentially would eliminate the use to the need to use this LTI, which is buyouts. Like what the NBA does is they have buyout windows where a team and and where an organization and a player who's you know on you know, on a sinking ship or whatever they can negotiate a buyout where the team you know the 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 team retains X amount of dollars left on the, on the contract that player they agree on that that player is then is then walked bought out of the contract walking away can sign a free agent pop, pr- probably league minimum deal to go on a contender it also eliminates the the need for LTIR because what the what the Pistons were going to do this season was you had you have Blake Griffin who is he has a huge you know sort of laundry list of injuries over like just you know dating back forever he's on this Pistons team that's going nowhere they're younger they're not going to use him anymore and they were literally they were literally going to be like all right we might just sit you for the rest of the year but because and in the NHL, they would have probably put him on LTI. This is a Joffrey Lupul situation. But this is like then, if Joffrey Lupul could then come to an agreement with the Leafs, be like, all right, I have you know, $15 million left in my contract. You guys keep $13 million of it, I, but then I can go and sign with the contender. He walks away. Blake Griffin signs with the Nets, and he's immediately like an impact player for them again. And the Nets are now a powerhouse, and they're going to be a fantastic matchup in the finals with the Lakers. The NHL, that would be amazing in the NHL. Can you think of all the players who are on these, you know, like, for example, like a Ryan Getzlaff. No one's going to trade for that contract. But if him and the Ducks came together, like for, I, I think of Montreal, they really want to Getzlaff. They need a center. They love old centers, whatever. And, and they're really fighting for a playoff spot right now. And so Getzlaff, he's got $8.75 million on his deal. And no, one's, no one can fit that into their cap right now, even with 50% retention. But if he goes, all right, I have this, I, I'm a free agent, you know, prorated. I have like, you know, $6 million left to my deal or whatever. You guys keep five. I keep one of that. And then I can go and sign whatever. I'll sign with Montreal. I'll try and win another cup, you know, whatever. That would be awesome. And it would negate the need for LTIR. So why not? Like, what's the downside here? I think I think you'd have people argue that that small market teams wouldn't benefit because they probably couldn't afford it. But then what you do if you're a small market team is you trade them to a rich team that can't. And and uh, and, you know, maybe you have to give up an asset or the player has to drop money. I don't know. I don't know what you do. But I think um, I think there are creative options. What the the, what I love about that, Mike, is that it, it it opens doors. Yes. It seems like whatever the NHL does, it's it's just tightening and tightening and tightening. And the two most exciting days in the NHL calendar are um, trade deadline and free agency. And doesn't it suck 
when the or lead up to those. Be. Yeah. And it doesn't suck when the lead up to those days for months is, all right, they're going to suck. It's mm-hmm. going to be slow. <laughs> oh, I think it's going to be slow this year. Oh, I think it's going to be slow this year. And like, you can you imagine how hard that is for somebody that works at Sportsnet or TSN or even mm-hmm. NBC and ESPN next year. Imagine ESPN, which sells everything on sizzle. Big, everything. Explosive. And Sunday, guys, Sunday, whoever, Sunday, always. Yeah, like somebody's on there, an on-air personality, and inside's on there, and they're and they're and they're on ESPN on Sports Center saying, "Well, we think it's going to be slow." <laughs> Wouldn't even put you on the air. Like, like why? What the fuck is this? It's, yeah. What if I honestly, and I'm spe- speaking, I'm putting on my consumer hat for a second. I would rather be lied to. I would rather like, yeah. come on. I would rather, I would literally rather have them be like, we could see some hot stuff on trade down. It's going to be awesome. And even like dress it, even like, you know, put lipstick on a pig and be like, Luke Glenn Denning, where's he going? He could be the missing, like, instead of being like, look guys, I don't know what to tell you. We got eight hours of coverage here. James Duffy's going to friggin', you know, lose his mind. We're going to watch him do a Sudoku from like four to five, you know, because there's nothing going on here. Like, why not? It's, it's such a bummer, but I, I think LTIR, look, if you're going to crack down, fantastic, do it, but find another avenue, like you said. And I think, I think buyout windows, man, that would yeah, be like that. awesome. That's, I think that's a great idea too. I really yeah. do. I like that. And I like the idea that it's, it's up to the player and team to organize yes. what it's going to look like. And you know what? The small, you, you mentioned the small, you know, the, the small market teams wouldn't be able to afford it. If there are small market teams that are really good, they, then teams, then players will flock there. Like mm-hmm. when LeBron was on the Cavs, the Cavs are a small market team, but you know, in those buyout windows, they were targeting these players and they were coming there. It doesn't matter if Columbus is, you know, if Columbus has a ton of really crazy, you know, homegrown talent, they might not be, you know, a marquee franchise, but if people are like, Hey man, yeah, it might not be like the greatest place to live or, you know, do whatever, but like we can win it. We can win a cup there. And like, that's kind of where winners are like, hell yeah, I'll, I'll spend the rest of the season, you know, with, you know, giving up some money to go there to win a cup. That's awesome. I don't want to be Marcel Dion and be, you know, the greatest player not to win a cup. Let's do it. I don't know. Yeah. Just my well, and you look at the, the small market thing falls apart for me. And I know football set up a little bit different, but the green Bay yeah. Packers have never used that. Never. Right? They haven't had to extremely, extremely successful franchise that is objectively in the smallest market in the sport. The smallest market in sports period. It's in, green yeah, Bay, in, Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I know there's history behind that and I know, little different ownership situation, blah, 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 blah. The reality is it can be done. And I think, I think the buyout windows is it's just let's like, like anything, it's like an economy, right? The, the, the function of an economy is keep the money moving. Yes. Keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it moving, make these teams spend, let the players be a little bit more fluid about where, and, and give them a little control over where they want to go. Right. Why exactly. Not? Exactly. Give it in the players hands. It'll be so much fun. All right, top into plot points, what's trending up, what's trending down in the NHL. Nothing's really trending in the NHL right now. At least that's fun to talk about. So, trending up is my interest in Formula One. Because, goddamn, Adam, this sport is incredible. And it is being fueled, specifically, by the Drive to Survive Netflix series. That is, I think, in my opinion, like the best piece of sports TV we've had in as long as I can remember. Like it Since is, Michael Jordan. Since the, the documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Since, since the last dance and you know, real quick aside too, I saw someone on, on Twitter talk about this because I think today was the anniversary of when it debuted or, and so complex was like, yeah, it debuted. And someone quote tweeted how it was one of those viral tweets that you see. Someone's like it. Yeah, that's great. I will never watch it again. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. 
I won't because not it, it's a great it's a great documentary, but that thing gives me PTSD to first lockdown. There are you TikTok mean, sounds oh, that give me PTSD mic, to, yeah. to first lockdown. It was a dark time. It like, was. It was, and we, uh, if you were not in Southern Ontario at that point, it was a cold, shitty yeah. spring too. Like, I, it was just dark. I remember it was weird. I was like, th- this was during the, like last summer I, I ran like a marathon every day, like through all that. I, you know, Rachel makes me talk about it all the time, but I remember in a span of a week running through a rainstorm, a hailstorm, a snowstorm, and then having to wear shorts on the Saturday because it was so hot. Like it was just absurd. But yeah, anyway, yeah. S- speaking of heat, drive to survive. So my, my dad and I have a thing. We, we hang out every Sunday. It was, used to be football, but then football ended. So now we had to find something to watch. We watch this. So I'm getting drip fed, feed it. Or I'm getting drip fed it. I don't watch it on my own. I watch it with him, A, because it's fun, and B, because, you know, I don't want this to end, and then we have to choose something else. So I'm only midway through season two. But this, like, this show has captivated me for this sport in a way I don't think I ever I've fallen for for F1 harder than I've fallen for any girlfriend I've ever had you know any any crush whatever it's like man it is incredible I I, like who I just want to ask you everything about F1 like all of your opinions on F1 what like you know just everything because I love this sport now it's amazing well, I think if, if you're listening to this and going, I don't get it with F1, watch watch the Netflix doc. Do you'll, it. You'll get right into it. It's the it's some of the best. It's it's all the things that make sports watchable. It's the characters that you love. It's like you fall in love with these drivers. Yeah. And or you hate them. You, and you live and die with them on this on this documentary. You're sad for them when things are sad. And like the thing is with Formula One, it, where it's it's like there's like one percent are happy and everybody else is upset. Everyone's you know, pissed. Everyone. Everyone's pissed because we're not winning, and Lewis Hamilton wins everything. Um, and people are like, "Well, if he wins every week, what's where's the drama in the sport?" Now, if that just shows an under a, a, an understanding gap between yes. between what you think this sport is and what it actually is, and so much of it is tactical. And you know, there's two championships. There's the drivers and the constructors. And what I loved most, like this weekend, the the thing that I got excited about it was actually yelling in my TV was the fight for second and third place. Yeah. And you know, so, so Lewis Hamilton gets spun out by a guy who everybody sees as his next teammate, George Russell and George Russell races for Williams. And he was like, you know, later on he gets into a big accident, but whatever. And so, so, you know, Lewis Hamilton has to go from ninth place and right at the end, he sneaks into second place and it is the, the battle between fifth and second were absolutely, it was one of the most dramatic, incredible races I've ever seen. And it's the second race of the season. And, you know, uh, I think what you do is you learn to enjoy the race for third or fourth. Yes. You know what I mean? Like when you have somebody that's this dominant um, with Lewis Hamilton, it's sort of like, yeah, we know Lewis is going to win, but when he spins out, holy smokes, does that open up some possibilities? And I, I think, uh, I think the, the, just the motor racing in general gets a bad rap in North America because of NASCAR and yes. because of the history NASCAR has had courting, I would say elements of society that are, are pretty much exclusionary of everybody else. And this I, is not listen, Ricky I've been Bobby. To many, many racetracks. My mm. dad's a big motor racing guy. So, you know, you know, I, I used to go to Watkins Glen every year to that race and uh, spent a lot of time up in Mossport here in Ontario and, you know, a lot of classic car races, a lot of Le Mans stuff. Um, I've been to the, you know, I, I went to the Montreal Grand Prix with, F, you know, F1 mm-hmm. and, and uh, um, you know, 
motor racing around the world is not what you see in NASCAR. And NASCAR no. is trying to get away from old NASCAR, right? NASCAR is trying so. to distance itself. No more Confederate flags, no more, you know what I mean? Stuff like that, which were part and parcel of the whole experiences. You know, that a bunch of guys running up and pretending they're, you know, in Dukes of Hazard with the General Lee and all that. That's, they're moving on from that. Um, and what I like about F1 is it's like, it's like the champagne of sports. Yes. It's the, it's very, a little bit highbrow and a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's a bunch of people uh, backbiting each other, including teammates. And it's like a reality show. So that's, I don't know if that's too long of an explanation, Mike, no, but I no. feel like. Length is just fantastic. It pulls you in. And, and, and if, if you don't like reality TV and you're listening to this show, you're lying to yourself. What do you think sports are? It's all sports, reality. Yeah. It's so it's a soap opera, man. Like it's yeah. this man. I, I you know what? It's it's crazy to say because the because the the races are so exciting and so entertaining. But like the races are secondary in this show to me. Like and and in and in I guess F one in general. Like it is the personalities I want to see. You know, like I'm at the point in in not to spoil this for anybody, but like I'm at the point where. Um, Daniel Ricardo was left Red Bull. He's at Renault now. Terrible decision, in my opinion. He's he really kind of boofed that one. And they, they so they promote this guy Pierre Gasly up from up from you know their their Toro Rosso um, team, which is essentially their AHL team, but still going in Formula One. So I guess it's like, yeah, it, it's it's just like a team that you know it's like the Canucks were. It's yeah, it's like the it's like the Canucks were to I think the Lightning for a while, or no, it's like the the Canucks were to the Panthers for a while, where they just kept getting like all these players from it. It's awesome, but then Pierre Gasly just really is you know fucking it this entire time, and so they boot him back down, bring this other guy up, and he's doing really well. And then there's this like it's nuts. I love the I love the competitiveness. I love and and I also I love the aura of it. Like you're right, it's the champagne of sports. It feels like I'm going to Wimbledon, but it's exciting. I love tennis too. Like, don't get me wrong, but like it can kind of get a little a little too highbrow. This is like, you know, this is like grit and grease, but also like packaged in this shiny box that is just so exciting to watch. I love it. Who's your favorite Very driver? Sexy. It's Very sexy. Sexy is the right word. Like it. It's like it's fucking hot, man. Like it's awesome. Um, who's your favorite? Like who? Like give me give me a rundown. Like who are your favorite guys? Well, I think, I mean, if you can't watch the sport and not be a fan of Lewis Hamilton. I mean, obviously. And, and I know a lot of like, people who are big Ferrari fans are, are probably going to be like, screw Lewis Hamilton. But like, when you, but like, really sit back and think for a second. Lewis Hamilton is, it's, what I love about that series is when these drivers crash, and Lewis Hamilton is, uh, to my money, I know uh, there's a bunch of Michael Schumacher fans who are going to disagree with me. He's the best driver in the, in the history of the yeah. sport. And I have been watching since Michael Schumacher was taking on Jacques Villeneuve and Damon Hill and all those guys back in the 90s. I've been watching for a long time. Um, Lewis Hamilton apologizes to his team every time he spins out. He does. I love he apologizes that. apologizes to his team every time he doesn't finish first. There's no, there's no excuses with him. Whereas like no. a guy like Stroll, for example, like Lance Stroll, he's, he's this trust fund baby. His dad literally like bought him the seat on the team and it's all complaining I see with him. It's all complaining. Lewis Hamilton? Well... Classiest and guy. You're gonna, you're gonna see him grow up, right? Oh, he's I hope quite so. Young. I hope and, so. And here's the thing with Lance Stroll is that yes, his dad owns the team, and yes, the too. team is bought. But I think Lance Stroll would still be a, a driver if it wasn't, especially what we're seeing this year. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not gonna ruin anything for you because I know you're not like I know you gotta finish yeah. season two and then season three. 
um, he kind of grows up a little bit and it's good to see. Uh, there's always going to be drivers who were, who are there because their parents have money and, and that's what happens. But that's a guy I think who's a, he's a competitive driver. Um, so I don't hate that he's there. There's times where it's like this driver sucks objectively and should not be here, <laughs> Yes, but, but a billionaire is sponsoring him. So I don't know. Um, and I think, you know, I think with, um, with Lewis Hamilton, I think you, you got to be a fan of just who the guy is. I've been a Max Verstappen fan uh, since he was 18 years old and broke into the sport. Yeah. Uh, which wasn't like, you got to like, you understand when he broke in, he's this quiet Dutch kid. Uh, and, and he's, you know, teammates with Daniel Ricardo, who is who's the loudest the guy in the likable world. human being on the planet. Right. Yeah. Like who doesn't like Daniel Ricardo? So, you know, people are like, if you're a Red Bull fan, why are you a Verstappen? But you should be a, a Ricardo, Ricardo fan. Yeah. And I get it. I love Daniel Ricardo, but I think I like a I like a winner and I like a winner on the up. And I think he's on on his way up. Blown away too with Lando Norris at McLaren. Um, you I don't know if you've been introduced to him yet, but the McLaren I think team, I have, yeah. Where you're at, what what's your impression? He's the of the 18 McLaren year old, team, right? right? Yeah. Land, yeah. Yeah. So I haven't, I haven't spent a lot of, I haven't spent a lot of time on him, but like Zach, like their, their, their head guy, he's, he's been having, cause it's weird. You mentioned Williams as being like a, not a necessarily a top team, but like competing where I'm at, like they suck. Like they, oh, they still suck. They still suck. Okay. Yeah. Like for example, like to put in perspective and also to your point about like the battles for second and third, like it's not just you know, who comes first is the bad, whatever. There's a point system, which is really important. So like guys will get you, you like you get cut off for points at 10 at 10th. So if you get P10 or whatever, like at least you still get points and there will be dudes who like just eke into 10th place. And they're like, hell yeah, man, like mission accomplished. We stay in the midfield. This is great, which makes it exciting. Um, where was I going with this? But yeah, it's, it's just, man, it's late. I totally lost my, my train of thought here, but like, but man, like it's, it's awesome. And yeah, I, I love it. I love, um, what's his name? Oh, the Haas guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what? I found it. So what I love about this from a media perspective, too, is every single question that is asked to, first of all, they do it right. Like, literally, when, when Daniel Ricciardo jumped midseason from Red Bull to Renault, which is a big deal. Like, it's literally like John Tavares going from the Islanders to the Leafs in that, like, Red Bull thought they'd retain him. It's totally out of nowhere. They got... The Red Bull team, they had a big press conference of all the guys, like all, all, the, all the team leads, because that's what they do every race week. And they sit strategically, the Cyril, the Renault guy, next to Christian, the Red Bull guy. And they ask Cyril how awesome it is that Daniel Ricciardo is now joining his team while he's sitting next to, like, it's like he's getting cucked, basically. And it's, yeah, well, it's incredible. Yeah, and... And okay, so when you, because I know you want to, you want to watch all the seasons first. But you, you can still, you can still happens. tell me stuff. Like it's fine, it's fine. Well, so but but what I've noticed, and I think I think as a hockey fan, you can appreciate anybody can appreciate this. Our our biggest frustration in hockey is that nobody wants to give an honest answer. Yes, these F one drivers oh are my like, God. I was shit, and he's an asshole. Oh and my it's, God, it's amazing. Like like this weekend, George Russell um, uh, knocked out uh, Valtteri Bottas and. Mm. You know, there was there was a little bit of confusion. There's a little bit of a, 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 a track twist that kind of pushed the two cars together. And when we talk about a crash, like it cut both cars to ribbons. Yeah. Like both and, and George Russell gets out of his car and goes and yells at Valtteri Botas and says, you, you know, what are you trying to do? Trying to get us killed when really it was probably a track issue. So probably as as the team manager said, 60-40. Yeah. In yeah. in terms of mistakes. Um 
but you see afterwards they're still heated and they're still telling the press got you know the guy's a prick and he cut me off like it's it's like, it's road rage shit. it's road rage it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like interviewing a guy right after he gets cut off on the highway like yes. you're gonna yes. and you know what i love too every question that these journalists ask the the drivers or the or the the what's it called um team like team managers mm-hmm. like if an nhl reporter asked an NHL player that question, they get their credentials revoked. Every single question. Every single one. It's insane. It's literally like the first episode starts, Haas, like the Haas team just fucks it real hard on one of their first races. And literally one of the questions for their further engineer, and I'm watching this, you know, being conditioned as like a hockey media person. I'm watching this. And one of the questions for the engineer is like, do you think you should retire? Uh, you should resign? Like the engine blew. And I'm like, wow, that's, and I look at my dad, I'm like, wow, that's really fucked up, man. Like that's, what a question. And then the next shot is, yes, we've accepted his resignation. And I'm like, holy shit, he did it? Like that's, yeah. that's crazy. It's, it's so exciting, man. I love it. I, I think too, Mike, that's European sports. Yeah. I think they're a lot more blunt. Like when you read, you know, every once in a while you get the Swedish translation of yeah. some, some sort of newspaper hockey players talk or the Russian translations. They're just honest. Didn't didn't Igor Ozhiganov get quoted? That's like everyone was trying to lick Babcock's ass or something. Like they said that. <laughs> like, they don't give a shit. It's awesome. Yeah, oh, man. yeah, and like it, it, that's I I think uh, I think that makes sports more fun and relatable. Uh, but I think yeah. in the NHL, for some reason, there's been a culture of kind of quietness for a while. We've talked about that many times. Um, so it is refreshing in F1. That I think I think if you're a sports fan in in general you can enjoy motor racing, but F1 oh, is yeah. the easiest by far to get into great characters, great heroes, great villains. Um, and who doesn't love seeing a bunch of millionaires bitch at each other. It's exactly. kind of fun. It's like real housewives, you know, hundred percent. that's literally that's, it's like real housewives. It's the perfect. Show me the difference. A bunch of millionaires bitching at each other. That's literally yeah. what it is. Like, and by the way, don't shit on real housewives. Pretty oh, good yeah. television. Love. Van, you know what? Underrated season, Vancouver. That was a good, that was, that was a really good one. I liked really? it. Really? Yeah. From everybody I've heard, the Utah one is the one that everybody should check out because um, it's the new one. And I think, you know, when you get a new real housewives series, mm-hmm. you know, they, they aren't trained yet. So yeah. like they aren't media trained yet. So it gets a little, it gets real from everybody that, everybody that I know that loves that stuff. Like apparently real housewives of Utah. Check that out. Okay. Is it all Mormons? Like, is it just no, not fully, but it does play. It for sure plays a spot. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's cool. I man, Vancouver though. There was this one, there was this one real housewife. She was like the young sporty one. And it was, and like a lot of them were built, like some of them were, were, were based in Toronto, even though it was like Vancouver. And like, I remember when I was working at Christian Wakefield, I had some like a deal that I was dealing with and she was part of it. And I remember my girlfriend at the time was like legitimately jealous, like that I was in like the same room as her because I just kept <laughs> raving about Jaina. She was, she's awesome. Anyway, speaking of things that I love and, and gets me excited, the Snyder cut, love it. Well, we won't spend too much time on this, but people have tried to pit us against each other on this topic. <laughs> we, and, we love each other too much for that, but exactly. here's, here's my issue with the movie. Okay. Okay. Hit so me. My one issue. You only have one. You, okay. Must be a pretty good movie. You then. cannot tell a story in two, like in two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. It's probably not a great story. Like okay. the one exception is Lord of the Rings. And that's because those were based on books and J.R.R. Tolkien. Let's be honest. I read those books too. They're a little verbose. 
Like it takes them 150 pages to get out of the goddamn Shire in the first one. Mm -hmm. And I love Lord of the Rings, but it's enough, right? Like, okay. And then he, he sat around and he smoked pot and then he, and then he drank this. And then somebody came to the door and it's like, it just kind of goes on and on and on and on and spins. And I think with the Snyder cut, I understand the, I understand Mm -hmm. the excitement around. I get it. My perspective is if it was really a great story, you could have told it in less time. Just my thought. So here's, I have two, I have two things that totally respect that. I'm not going to let the people win. We're not going to get, we're not going to get hard on this. We still respect each other. Um, and, and you know what? There's definitely something to say about that. Zack Snyder is probably the most like self other than maybe Christopher Nolan, but at least Christopher Nolan, like he's able to actually like make good movies, obviously. Although Tenet, Tenet was Christopher Nolan jacking off. Like that was literally, have you seen it? No, I haven't. I've been, I've been, is it weird that I'm intimidated to watch it? Cause everybody that watches is like, I don't know what's going on. And I'm I've like, seen it though. twice and I don't think I've seen the movie yet. Like it's okay. It's okay, crazy. Fair enough. I, I saw it once. Thank. I saw it once in the middle of COVID in theaters. There was that little opening in, in the, like, that's how desperate I was to get back in there. I'm like, I'm going to risk my life for this. Let's do this. And, <laughs> okay. but like, it is like, it was like, you know, you know, the pre, you know how like the prequels, like the, the old, the old Star Wars movies were obviously incredible. I'm a huge Star Wars guy. I have posters in my, literally in my condo right now that you just can't see. But like the reason, like George Lucas wrote all those things, but he had like Irvin Kirshner beside him to be like, hey man, maybe, maybe cut down on, on this bullshit. And he's like, okay, like rein it back in a little bit. And then when the prequels came around, he was just like, I don't like Irving's not here. I'm going to go fuck it. It's George Lucas time, you know, like, and essentially just made these like things that just got bogged down and all that. And I think that, a, Zack Snyder is one of those directors. Christopher Nolan did that with, with Tenet. But here's the thing. It's, the movie wasn't supposed to be four hours. This is more of an experience, and the context has to be really important here. Because, first of all, I think that Zack Snyder is better suited to making like three to, four, three, to three and a half hour long movies. I just think that's kind of the way it is. And because the, I hated Batman vs. Superman. I'm a huge Batman purist. Like, that is my guy. Okay. And, that makes sense then. Yeah. Like, I am... Like literally you can't see it. I have a dark Knight poster right behind me. Like that is, I am a Batman to the core guy and I hated Batman for Superman. But then I watched the ultimate edition, which is an extra. I think it was like half an hour. And I'm like, okay, this makes a lot more sense. So I think we have to tell it. But so here's what happened was, you know, do you know the whole story behind the Snyder cut? No. So give me, give me the context here. Cause that is probably important. I'll give you the cliffs notes here. So, it's basically Zack. So Zack Snyder, the B, Batman vs Superman comes out. They put they they essentially make Zack Snyder like the the overlord of the DC universe. And Batman vs Superman like it doesn't flop, but it, but people don't like the tone of that movie. Mm-hmm. So they they already try and rein him in on on the tone of that. The Suicide Squad kind of you know boofs it as well. And they're like, all right, we need to get more like lighter and all that, whatever. But he's still like sticking to his vision. Okay, cool. I think he does have an understanding of these characters. Fine. And then there's a tragedy that happens in Zack Snyder's family. Like his daughter, his, his daughter, um, like his daughter commits suicide, which is terrible. And so he steps down off the project. It's horrible. It's, it's, you know, at the end of the Snyder cut, it says like for autumn, which is awesome. Like, it's just, it's beautiful. And so they step down. Warner brothers brings Joss Whedon on to, to reshoot it. And after watching the Snyder cut, I don't think Joss Whedon should ever be allowed to make another movie again. Like number one. Well, and apparently there's some issues off camera with him anyway. So. Oh, a lot, a lot. But it's so he goes in and he like he made the Avengers, which is, you know, one of the best superhero movies ever. One of one of, if not the most important movie in cinema ever, because it mm-hmm. spawned 
the like it spawned the world that we live in right now in terms of entertainment. But he comes in, he rewrites everything, reshoots everything. Henry Cavill's got a mustache. They decide that he that he because the Mission Impossible, because he's under contract for that movie during the reshoots, literally legally won't let him shave. So instead of giving him a beard as Superman, which is in the comics what Superman had when he came back from the dead, they decide to CGI off the mustache to the point where his his face looks like inhuman. It's ridiculous. He, he, he rewrites, cuts everything out, whatever. Fans revolt. It was a dog shit movie. I hated it. He, gives, he essentially neuters every character. He makes Batman into a quipster, which is like the opposite of his character. The flat, yeah. everything's cringy. And also, so Cyborg, the main character, he's, he's not the main character, but he's essentially the heart of the movie. And he, he rips out his entire story arc to the point where like this guy, just he's just a character that's plopped into a movie. So and so then finally and there there are massive fan revolts for this. Like there are billboards getting promoted at Comic-Con there are airplanes flying, you know, release the Snyder cut things there. And every member of the cast and crew like on social media, which is including really big name people like Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa and Ben Affleck and guys like that are tweeting release the Snyder cut and they finally do because COVID hits and they're like we only can like this won't cost that much. It's a movie we've already released, but we're just mm-hmm. letting this guy finish his vision. I don't think it was meant to be four hours. A, it's it's cut up into chapters, which is really easy. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's not, it's not, it's not. You can watch it in like chapter one, chapter two, whatever. But it's also, I don't think that he meant for it to be four hours. I think he's like, everyone, like they're giving me this chance. I'm just gonna include every single thing that I shot or storyboarded into this because I'm never gonna get this opportunity again. Mm. And it, and mm. you know what? I can't mm. believe I'm saying this because in the in the trailer. There is a, a, a shot of Joker going, we live in a society, which is like absurd, but I can't believe it. It's good. I can't believe it, but okay. it's good. All right. Good. Well, that context helps. It does help. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think, uh, I mean, uh, like, I think the, the Star Wars thing helps too, because it's like, yeah, those prequels clearly made an impact. I see it on TikTok all the time. Oh my God. Yeah. People much younger than me, but there were pieces of those movies that were great. Yes. And then there were pieces of those movies where you're like, holy shit, what's happening here? Trade, the um, and, trade treaties and you know oh my God. yeah like no one cares and and i i you know it's a shame because the last the the rise of skywalker and the last jedi were two of the worst star wars movies of all time they're just awful the, um i will i will character you're bad in 500 on that you're bad in 500 on that one you you like the last jedi the last jedi is the best star wars movie oh get out of town no way yeah mike how because does Ray's any, character have a dark side, or does she just speak into a, uh, an echoey cave? Like, was, what is that? It was supposed Skywalker milking an animal. First of all, if you watch, you know what? No, I'm not going to get into this, Adam. It's it's going to be too long, and <laughs> our friendship will be eroded. I I think we can both agree that the Rise of Skywalker was one of the most disappointing movie experiences I've ever had. It was sad. It was sad. But Kylo Ren sad. always rocks. Yeah. All right. Now, before we hop into, into some Leafs talk, and then I'll let you, you know, go back to living your life on this wonderful Monday night. Uh, quick word. For- I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business, and it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day 
and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way, from creating product listings, to making discount codes, to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's no wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Woo Tungsten, by going to shopify.com slash bluewire right now. That's shopify.com slash bluewire. Our sponsor. All right. Lease talk. Rachel's gone. The, it's it's a kid's table time. I can I can do whatever the hell I want, and we're talking Leafs. Um, all right, let's just hop into it. Zach Hyman, he's going to miss two games from that knee from Edler. He's an important player. Some some wrong people may say he's the most important player for the Leafs. He's not, but, he, but he's very important. How much does it impact the forward core? Because we are seeing, especially with him, we're going to get into it, stepping on myself here a little bit, Nylander being a potential scratch, the, the, the winger depth has taken a hit lately. Mm-hmm. Felino, Felino's in quarantine, you know, like all these guys. And now you're losing Zach Hyman, a very vital, like, what does that do to the team? Well, and Nick Robertson, maybe not being up to where Nick Robertson would want to be at this point of the season too. Yeah. I think we, we, you know, we lost him. That was a guy that was probably going to, had he not injured his knee in the first game, Nick Robertson would have been a leap the whole time. hundred um, percent. So yeah, no, I think, I think what it is, Mike, is that, um, I mean, Zach Hyman is extremely important and people laugh at me when I say this, but they keep putting him on the third line for a reason. doesn't mean he won't move up throughout the game. They want him to drive that third line. And I want you like, you know, imagine who does if, if Hyman and Felino are on your wings, like, you know, on the, whoever the center is for the third line, that might make Pierre Engvall more than just a guy who put on a Jersey. Um, And he really is. eh? Or put Spencer with him. Who cares? Like whatever. (laughs) Anyone could be fun. Anyone. Um, but I, I think that the, uh, I think that the thing is, is that Zach Hyman brings what no other player on this bring this team brings, which is that gritty determination can't stop, won't stop at all times in terms of like getting into the corners, getting greasy. Mm-hmm. And Nick Foligno is going to bring a little bit of that as well. Um, so I think Zach Hyman's vitally important to this team because he drives a third line and people seem to think that that's a bad thing. And, you know, I don't think the Leafs look at line one and line two as line one and line two. I think they go as, Great line. Here's one great line, and here's another great line. And if you can have a third great line, boy, are you ever off to the races? Like, look at what Tampa did last year. And I think I think that's what Zach Hyman brings. He drives his own line from the wing, which is pretty cool. Which is almost impossible, like we've seen in the NHL. And like, for example, a guy who does that, Mitch Marner, 
you know, made double digit money off doing that. And obviously Zach Hyman's not, you know, to the level of Mitch Marner, but like what, what also really like what also really stands out to me about Hyman too is he is, there was a bit on the SCP a while ago when you guys were, you know, clowning on the, uh, on the term elite third liner because people were, yeah. were, and, but, and essentially an elite third liner is a first or second liner who plays on the third line. And that's what Zach Hyman is. He is a very good top six forward. I would say an upper, a guy, a guy good enough to at least wrong or not get consideration or at least conversation consideration for the Olympic team. Like that's where we're at. Like it's crazy. And so for him to be, for, to have the luxury, which Alex Galchenyuk has given them to, to put Zach Hyman on the third line. Incredible. That's a Stanley cup winning type of thing there, but him being out, that's rough. Who would you like to step up in his, in his absence? Like who's someone who you want to, to, to sort of bridge that gap? Cause there's a couple, couple guys out there. Well, I'd like to see Wayne Simmons regain his, his yeah. early season form. Um, but I think when you break your wrist, it's pretty tough to come back from that as quickly as he has. So people are like, you know, if he's not going to be punching faces, Wayne Simmons isn't getting into fights until the playoffs guys. Mm. Uh, why would you break? Why would you re-break your wrist? Um, yeah. Take as much time as you need. You want to fight, fight in the playoffs. Don't do it now. I just like to see Wayne score a few goals just because I love Wayne. Um, and so I'd like to see him at least effectively on, on, you know, the grumpy old man line was fun. It's great. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely, I think Wayne needs to step up. I, 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 I don't want to say step up. I want to say, I'd like to see Wayne regain this, the form he had. I don't think it's mm. for lack of trying. Pierre Engvall for me has been an enigma. Um, oh my God. You know, I know he's not like, he's a winger, he's a center, he's whatever. Um, I know he's a serviceable player and I know he's got the talent and the size and everything else, but I just can't seem to figure out what he does. Like, yeah. what are you doing here? And if you had better options, like Kerfoot is a better option. Um, like where, what's, what's the deal with you? Like, what are you doing here? And mm-hmm. I, I think I would like to see Pierre Engvall step up and be the guy that I think we know we could be. Like, I think we all know yeah. Pierre Engvall has the talent. Absolutely. I've, you know what? It's weird because I've, I've literally covered this guy since the moment he stepped into North America and I have seen, you know, a player who would likely top out as like maybe a middle six AHL guy, take the steps to become an NHLer. Like he really, he was a perimeter hugging wing sniper and he became a penalty killing center, you know, that allowed him to like, it was remarkable. Also, he's not a center. He's a winger. He's barely played any center. They tried to do that on the fly and it somewhat worked, but Doing that in the NHL is a little dicey, but he like, it's a shame because he signed that contract. And I think if he was making 300 grand less than what he's doing right now, if he was making Jimmy VC money, no one would be giving a shit, but he's making 1.25 million. And that's, that's a little tough. He is, the Leafs have too many guys who like we we're seeing like fringe guys who are just extremely mediocre. And I'll, we'll get into like a guy like Dermot, for example. But yeah, I'd like to see him step up. Speaking of guys who, you know, came back and, like you'd like to see step up and then, you know, are not going to now is William Nylander pulling a Casper Kapanen being late for a meeting on, you know, and being scratched at possibly the worst time. And now it's funny because we had, we were talking about this in the dangle Navy group chat where, um, which we got to add to you too, by the way, it's just absurd. Like it's, it's <laughs> I'm the, sure it's a good time. I just, I don't get back to Steve's text enough. I, I can't imagine a group group thing. He's like, Steve messaged me the other day and he's like, Hey man, other than TikTok videos, we haven't talked. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have the show yeah. and then, you know, and then we, you know, we, I send him videos on TikTok and stuff, but like, I can't, I know it's a pandemic and everything and everybody's mm-hmm. locked down, but I have never been busier. I know. Just commitments. 
So, you know, and, and you know, when you have a two year old as well, that's you know, true. You're, kind of, you're busy. You're not so, missing much. It's just Myrtle saying he's going to bang my mom. Like that's literally all it is. <laughs> like it's, you're not, you're not missing much. <laughs> well, I, uh, yeah, sorry. So with Willie, it's sad because like, yeah. it's such a great game against the Canucks. Exactly. And it's also like, so where I was going on with that conversation is like, we had one side of people in it going like, yeah, let's scratch Willie at the time we need him most. Like great, you know, great thinking. And the other side, which I took and I think Steve took too, was, hey, maybe don't like miss a meeting the day after you lose to a team that was declared legally dead 24 hours before puck drop. Like it's like, like there's, there has to be some responsibility here. And I think for Keith, the most infuriating thing is you lose, like you do the thing that everyone said, everyone said, oh, you're just bound to do this because you guys are so cursed and you do. And then the next day, like one of your best young players is late to the meeting. Like one of the most basic things you can do as a human is be on time. I would, I, you know, I would scratch him too. I don't care. Like results be damned. You got to draw the line somewhere. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and why not? I mean, honestly, Mike, who cares? Like, okay. Yeah. Like, and as I said, I said it on the podcast, like the Canucks had an emotional, great mm-hmm. victory for that team and that franchise. And I they needed pull it. hats off to them for the Leafs. That loss doesn't, I mean, I'm sure it stings a little, but it's sort of like, okay, move on. Uh, with Willie, it's like, okay, so he misses another game and, uh, and I think he'll be embarrassed enough and turn Mm -hmm. it around. If you can, this might actually be the best thing for the Leafs because when you can get William Nylander as focused as you need to get him, he's a monster. He's a killer. Yeah. He's an absolute killer. So if he comes back and just roars through the last 10 games, I'm not going to be surprised because he's embarrassed. He's the oldest of the young crew that the Leafs have. He's the eldest mm-hmm. of the new group, right? He was drafted, I think 2014 or 2015. Yeah. That was my draft year. Yeah. yeah. I remember. There you go. So yeah. like he's in his mid twenties now, like it's time to, time to be an adult, Willie. And, uh, and I think if you walked into a room and you were the fourth highest salary in that room. Yeah. And you're, and like, think of the, think of the faces that would have turned around and looked up at him as he walked in late Austin Matthews, John Tavares, mm-hmm. Mitch Marner, Jake Muzzin. Morgan Riley. Think about what that would feel oh like. You're making more than Morgan Riley, who's a warrior, and he's looking at you like you're late. Jake really? Muzzin, Joe yes. Thornton. Joe, yes. this is this might be Joe Thornton's. I've said this a million times in the preseason, where I think they have a great great accountability because you have a guy like Joe Thornton and Jason Spezza, who it's like. Are you like you're dicking around in like a Tuesday practice or something uh, in February? And Joe Thorne looks over you and you're not going to feel shit. You're really going to be the guy who cost Joe Thorne a shot at the cup. Yeah. Potentially his last. Yep. Like this is we're we're getting a little, you know, hyperbolic here, but like looking around at that room of players, you're also, you're so lucky to be in that, in that group of people. Like that is a meticulously curated group of players whose only goal is to win the Stanley cup. You have veterans who you grew up idolizing people grew, who are getting start, whose line mates are getting starstruck with. And you're going to show up late and you're going to get the glare of the Joe, the Jake, you know, even like all that. I, yeah, I think he's, I think this is quite the, you know, look, you know, we've, we've been young people before, you know, uh, we've still are. <laughs> well, well, yeah, it's true. I'm only 25. I'm getting there, but it's like, but like, you know, that shame is potentially the best teacher to people that age. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. This happened at the best time, Mike, 10 yes. games left. Who cares? It, sitting so pretty in first place it's not even funny who gives a shit yeah right 
All right. I, well, I mean, I, I care. I want Willie focused, but yes. I think this will do it. I think you're. I think you nailed it. Right. It's like you're going to cost Joe Thornton and Jason Spezza a cup, or you're going to get your shit together for the next couple of months and then have a great summer afterwards. Yeah. Like you know, imagine yeah. like you think you had a hot boy summer last year. Uh, win the oh cup. Oh my god. It's, win the cup in Toronto. Win the cup in Toronto is. I can't like, I don't think people have like human, human civilization has, does not have a frame of reference for how much sex those players are going to have if they win the cup. Mm-hmm. Like it is going to be, if you were a single leaf and you are part of the cup winning team, you like life. I don't, I honestly don't think life gets better than that. No, I honestly it's don't think it does like in, in any realm of life. doesn't matter. I honestly don't think it does. All right. Let's play. Let's play a fun little game called. Are we worried? Okay. Where, you know, fun contestants like you and I go up and we, and we answer, are we worried to certain scenarios? First, the first round, are we worried about Jack Campbell? 919 save percentage on the season, but he's 867 his last five games. And I would necessarily not be worried about him because I go small sample size, whatever. But he's also someone who's notoriously down on himself. Mm-hmm. Like, it's an aw shucks way too, but like at a certain point, that's what's kind of gotten in his way in his career before. And I'm worried that this last bad stretch could snowball into something bigger for him if he doesn't cut it out quick. What's your, what's your worried scale on this guy? I wouldn't be, I'm not as worried about that, but I think you make a good point. I would be worried if he hadn't won 11 straight games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I, I think I, I'd be more worried about his health. I, really? I'm, well, because they, they said uh, there have been references to the fact that neither Freddie or Jack were fully healthy. So what did you get David Riddich for? And Steve right. said it on our on the STP today, start him. Like, what? why did you get him? Why did you pay for him? I mean, he's not in, in, a, in a perfect world. Dave Riddich is not playing for the Leafs in the playoffs. It's mm-hmm. Freddie and it's Jack and that's it. Um, or Jack and Freddie, however you want to, you know, however you want to frame that one. Um, so, so start him. give Jack time off and, and, and just let him breathe. The guy played a lot of games in a row, not used to doing it, had a major injury this year, had a major injury last year, I think. Wasn't it last year? Uh, um, yes, it was. Yeah. So like, let's just, let's just, uh, I, I'd be worried about health. And, um, hmm. since we don't know where Freddie's at, put Dave Riddich in, let's see how he does. And, and, and that would be what I'm worried about. I think Jack's health is suspect at the moment and i think anytime that you play you know you, you gotta remember goalies stand for 60 minutes of hockey on skates it's like a wall sit for 60 minutes basically right yeah yeah, yeah. that's gonna exacerbate health issues a groin specifically that we know so yeah did steve tell you about big david david <laughs> yeah, yeah big david david <laughs> or no, big david david did he tell no, you i haven't heard that oh okay. it's just it's for some reason you get in one of those moods where like the dumbest thing makes you laugh. And I just spent like, I think it was Saturday I spent or Saturday or Sunday. I spent like legitimately like 30 minutes straight laughing on my own to Omar tweeting out like, you know, tic-tac-tomer on Twitter. Awesome guy. But he tweets out like something and it's just a picture of David Riddich in his, in his leaf gear. And he, and clearly he like misspelled it or it's a typo. And it's just big David. David was like the caption on it. <laughs> And now, and now that he, he does like, you know, report cards, to athletic, and I'm, I keep being like, make that his name now run with it, make it a bit. It's big yes. David, David, big it's David incredible. David. The dumbest thing ever. All right. Next. Are we worried as I think the answer should be yes here. Unequivocally the power play. Are we worried yes. about the power play? 
Yeah. What the fuck is happening with the power know. play? Underlying numbers are bad. Real numbers are bad. It's bad. How do you have this talent and go like one for 50,000 like they have? It is absurd. What's happening? Man, oh God, your guess is as good as mine. I think... <sighs> I think sometimes you, you get in your own head about things. I think yeah. that's where they're at. I mean, like, listen, there are teams and leaf teams in the past that have skated on their, their power play and their five on five has sucked. Mm. Um, so at least we know the Leafs five on five is really good. So that's, that's a, that bodes well for the, for the playoffs because there's only, they're only going to call two, three penalties a game. Maybe. Um, but you need to score and you need to be automatic on the, on the penalty kill. I think, um, I think that they need to, um it, it sounds ridiculous but they need to relax like they need to mm-hmm. relax the talent's there it will come you need you need something goofy to happen right like remember when matthews had i forget i think it was against the oilers he had like six or seven scoring chances and then nothing went in and he missed the net and he hit the post and then he hit in overtime two oilers and the puck deflects in yeah you need something dumb like that and i think that'll break the streak they'll start to feel themselves again and it'll be all right and Steve had a great point too on, on SCP where he's like, I think it, it matters who gets the 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 one that breaks the slump. Mm-hmm. And I think if mm-hmm. Wayne Simmons gets it, that'll be a real boost to everybody. Boy, they love him, eh? They just they love, love him. How many guys on the team, like this is what's the biggest difference is how many guys on the team can you say that about? They just love Joe Thornton. Oh, you can just tell. They just love Jason Spencer. They just love Zach Hyman. They just... They just, they love everyone. This last year's team, I don't think liked each other very much. I think they were a bunch of coworkers who went to work, you know, worked with each other. And that was it. This is, this team is like a family. Like these guys, I don't think there's a single ostracized person in that dressing room. Whereas I think there was definitely some last year, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. That's just, that's just my thought. No, I, it's, I mean, you put, you put Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons and Jason Spezza in a room. How is everybody not going to get along? And exactly, you know, add, add to the fact that Mitch Marner is pretty fun. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, it seems to be a dressing room that really connects with each other and really enjoys each other. And when you get that way, like I, I loved the Carolina Hurricanes last year for the same reason. They just adored each other and yeah. they adore Rob Rendemore. And I think you're seeing more of that this year. Look at how well they've done. Um, but it's, it's, it's just, it's, there's, you know, they, they talk about in high school, like team spirit. Yeah. It really does matter. It really does. If you want to win for the guy next to you, it, it does take you to that next level. And it's like you said, Wayne Simmons, man. Oh God. Can if you imagine? Scores, it's a gritty one too. Erupt. Gritty one too. Just slaps it in like net front. Just, you know, has to truck someone. It, maybe it's reviewed a little bit because it's so gritty, but they, they still count it. I think that will, that will just do, you know, dividends for them. I was trying to look up a Wayne Simmons power play stat. That guy, he scores a lot on the power play. Only on the and power play, basically. Only on the, So it, I feel like if it's going to be anyone, it is going to be him. Yeah. I just think that's the most, like, I think that's the most, like, sort of rallying the boys kind. Because, like, although Thornton, which brings me into my next, uh, in, into our next topic, are we worried about the old guys? Because <laughs> Joe, like, as much as they're making, like, well, Joe Thornton, Wayne Simmons is not making league men. But Joe Thornton making league men. He's clearly here to win a cup. He's not a, you know, he's not a first line player in, in, you know, in minutes and in actual position because he's been playing on the third line lately, but he's got one point in his last 21 games. Mm-hmm. And I think if his name wasn't Joe Thornton, we'd be having a very different conversation about him. Um, are we worried about that? And Wayne Simmons has two in his last 14, but you, you somewhat covered it there. Are we worried about these older, these older folk? I think what you're getting from Joe is it is a guy that's pulling the dress room together. 
Yeah. I think that I, I think this is Joe's one and only year with the Leafs. Um, I want to see him come up big in the playoffs team spirit wise. So I don't have an issue with it. I'm not worried about it. There are guys on this team that can score as long as he's not an absolute mess in the defensive zone. Like they need to be able to play him. Absolutely. Even if he's a net zero, but he can't be a negative. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. 100%. He can't tilt. He, even if he, if he doesn't tilt the needle, fine, you can deal with that, but he can't tilt the needle in the wrong direction. Bingo. Exactly. Yeah. So I think they've got enough star power that they'll, they'll take care of the goals. I'd still like to see them try him with Marner and Matthews again. Cause boy, they look kind of really good. At a they had a game. lot of fun together. Yeah. In that. But I mean, Galch has kind of soaked up that spot, hasn't he? And you know what? You can't argue with that too. He's played no, so well. And I, in our, in our last sort of round of this game, we've transitioned into the, it's not necessarily, are we, are you worried or are we worried, but it's more like, how do you feel? How do you feel about the trade deadline? How do you feel about the Leafs, what they did? Because I don't think we've ever formed, we, we talked a bit about the Felino one off camera. Yeah. Um, where I, you I talked about great points on that when we talked about, it. I wasn't sure about the Felino deal at first because I think Mike, I was worried about like, is he, how much gas is in the tank for yeah. this guy? I was but a little worried I think too. The thing you that you said that I, I really loved, this is a text that Mike sent me, hmm. uh, was that they literally got the captain of the team that eliminated them last year. I think that's extremely I thought that important. was a real, it's like, fuck, yeah, it's kind of a, that's kind of some BDE right there. You know, that, that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, uh, yeah, right. Yeah. And, and, there's, and we've seen what spirit leadership brings you. Like this Leafs team had all of this talent last year. But they mm-hmm. looked like fragile the entire season. They just looked a mess. Oh my god! You yeah. bring in these guys. You bring in these guys. Obviously, coaching change doesn't help. But you bring these guys that have been there before, that really want to win, that need to win. Uh, and all of a sudden, the team doesn't look so fragile anymore. They've been pretty rock solid all the way through. You don't. Yeah, you don't see the defeatedness in them. Like last year, you they would get scored on. Or they would give up an early goal, which Frederick Anderson made sort of his brand for a little bit. And you could just know from, you could see the shoulder slump and you could kind of just tell from there, all right, like right off, these guys aren't going to, or if they're going to win, it's going to be Matthews pulling them single-handedly into like overtime. Yeah, It's not going to happen. It's, but I think, you know what, like I did kind of have to talk you off a ledge there with Felino and, and I was, yeah, you did. But I was, I was like, when that first came in, I was kind of the same way too, because I'm like a first for Felino. But then I think a, the draft pretty much doesn't matter this year. Like like 75% of the players in it haven't played at all this year and barely any scouts been able to see them, even if they have. It's, it, you know, like I think you can, I think dealing, this is, if there's going to be any year to deal your first, it's not only when you're a contending team, it's going to be when, you know, the draft is as much of a shit show as it's ever been. But also like Felino, like Jack Hahn put it really well where he said like the Leafs, you know, they have a, they have sort of like an abundance of talent, a surplus of talent, but now they have like a surplus of guys who will die for the crest. And Felino, yeah. like Felino's excited to not like he's not just excited to like go to a like a contending team, whatever. If Carolina acquired him, you know, I don't think he'd be he'd be doing this. He's excited to be a leaf. Wayne Simmons is excited to be a leaf. Joe Thorne's excited to be a leaf. I think that matters because that hasn't been the case for a long time here. For a storied franchise like this, it just hasn't. Well, and it helps for guys like like Marner and Hyman grew up Leaf fans. And yeah. I know Austin Matthews knows what the Leafs mean to the sport. But I think if you see an old respected guy mm-hmm. um, excited and giddy about, about wearing that Leaf crest, I think a guy, you know, you look at the younger guys on this team, Matthews, uh, Marner, Nylander, and, and the shit that they went through with Babs, although I think some of it benefited them. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I'm sure it's easy sometimes to feel like you're losing your love for playing the sport because it's a job at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, or you get a little frustrated with your employer, which we all do from time to time. That's just what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And then sometimes you need a little bit of a humbling reset where it's like somebody comes in and it makes you realize how lucky you are to do what you do. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, you know, I, I, there's times where Steve and Jesse and I do the podcast about two o'clock in the afternoon. And, you know, if, if I've been up since, 4.30 4.30 or 5 o'clock oh God, uh, yeah. when we were getting up that early. We're not getting up as early anymore with the show. Oh, that's um, good. I was yeah, worried. It's I'm nice. like, it's almost 10 it's p.m. Nice. And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm, I'm fucking Adam's whole day up tomorrow. Oh, it'll be okay. It'll all <laughs> okay, be fine. Um, you know, when that's – when you sometimes – and I've done this in broadcasting. You forget how lucky you are. Mm-hmm. You're really lucky to do what you do. And you're really lucky in, in, in these younger guys' cases to do it for the Leafs. And like you said – uh, if you're screwing off at practice and you look over at Joe Thornton, are you going to keep screwing off? And I think, nope. I think Felino's just adds to that. And, and I, I'm, I'm feeling much, much better about it now than I was. And I, I still think it's pretty crazy that Dubas went out and got, a, I mean, I would say an impact forward, a middle yeah. six guy with real impact uh, on and off the ice, a depth defenseman and a pretty good backup goalie. Like yeah. who, you know, like if Dave Riddish comes back next year and it's him and Jack, pretty I'm good happy, with that tandem. I'm fine with that. Absolutely. Dave Riddish is like a 1B almost. Like he's, 100%. he's I wouldn't yeah. even say he's a backup. Yeah, like he's he's good. Big David David. I'm all I'm all for that. He was able <laughs> what the what Kyle Dubas has been able to do by adding to this team and not spending from the active roster is incredible. He got he yeah. got Jake Muzzin by doing that. He, it was a free agent sign. He got John Tavares by doing that. It's it's amazing. All right, last one. Travis Dermott, we were talking about this while we were playing NHL the other day with, with you know, Stephen and a bunch of Dan Levy guys, and he was saying, he put it in this way that Travis Dermott is the bedrock of mediocrity. That's what he Ooh. said, which is one of the meanest things I've ever heard anyone call anyone ever. And I think, and the saddest part is, is there's merit to that, I think. Yeah. Like, and, and what's weird is like, I've watched a lot of Travis Dermott. He's an incredible guy. One of the best interviews you can possibly have. There's more there. I don't know what's going on because he was making plays. He was making a positive impact when he first got called up. And now he just barely impacts the play whatsoever. And he's scratched now. I'm pretty sure it, the, the line rushes it today had Sandine playing in his spot. So it's what, where do you see, where, like, where do they go with this guy? What's going to happen? I think Mike, sadly, sometimes you need to change the scenery. Yeah. I think Zach, or I think Travis Dermott is a, is, is going to be a pretty good f- top four defenseman for a team someday. I really do. Um, I think Probably he's got all the talent. Leaves. I think sometimes you just need a different guy yelling at you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> different guy, different gal. doesn't really matter. Yeah. You just, sometimes you just need someone else to put it to you a different way. You know, there's, it's like with uh, torts, some players flourish, some, some do not. And Dermot played for Sheldon Keith. Like they have this relationship, but sometimes you just lose your confidence and you need a change of scenery. And I yeah. think if Seattle claims him, it might be the best thing for, for Travis Dermott's career. Obviously the Leafs want to get value back for him and maybe they train him in the offseason. I don't know. He's a pretty good guy to have as a scratched defenseman though. That's yeah. Um, I'm sad for him. I, we, you know, you cheer for Travis Dermott, right? He, like you just said, Absolutely. he's a great guy. Hometown kid too. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, you know what? I think they've, if, if they can squeak through the expansion draft with him, you got to think they give him one more because he's not yeah. that old. 
either. No, he's, I think he's maybe a year younger than me. Like, I think he's 24. So That's not that bad. No, and the way he plays, pretty good defenseman. They're just very strong on defense this year, which is weird to say. It sounds foreign to say that. Yeah. Like, it's weird. But, like, those spots have been pretty much unchanged all season, right? Yeah. So no, 100%. Yeah, I mean, and Bogosian has earned every minute that he's gotten. There are days where, days where you go, Zach, come on. But I don't think you're asking your sixth defenseman to be perfect. Damn, I um, love Zach Bogosian, man. I I like him too. I think he's great. I would be, you know what? It I got I caught some flack from this the other day, but I stand by. I would be happy if the Leafs re-signed him to the exact contract he's on right now. Like one year, yeah. another one year, one mil. I think he... He's more than what I thought he was going to be. And yeah, he takes occasional bad penalty and whatever, but he is exactly what you want in a third pairing defenseman on this, on a team constructed like this. I've been extremely pleasantly surprised by what he's done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know that he's got the opportunity, he, he's got the ability to, to go up and play with high skill guys and not look completely out of place for a while, you know? Yeah. Like, wasn't he with, he was, he was playing with Victor Hedman. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, there were guys on Tampa that went down last year. He moved up. That's well, a guy you want. He's pretty great. Uh, so, I mean, the other thing is, you know, for, for Travis Dermott, his ability to show off his skill. Like, I, I wonder if there, if there was a team with a, a power play to defensive uh, spot open, mm-hmm. right? Like, let's say it's, um, I don't know, just name a team with that's not going to make the playoffs this year. Let's like say it's New Jersey. Uh, let's say it's Anaheim. Or, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I don't want to say Anaheim or Nashville. They, they're like defenseman factories. So New Jersey. Um, New Jersey. They're not going to make it. No, they're not going to make it. And is Travis Dermott top two defenseman on New Jersey right now? It's I like mean, Severson and Subban's not at that re- at that peak anymore. No, like yeah, I think he's definitely he's definitely up there. That's for sure. And you would you would expect even with PK and David Severson on that team, you'd expect Travis Dermott to get some power play time. He's getting zero minutes with TJ yeah. Brody and Jake Muzzin and 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 like it's not going to happen. And they bred him to be a penalty killer in, in the minors, and he's barely played any penalty kill, penalty kill this year. Like it's it's no so like what are you so what are you really using him for? It's it's almost like a Connor Brown situation where it's like he's kind of a luxury, and it's not the price tag is keeping him, but he's like how how important is it to have a guy like that on the back end where like he's not being like he's got great skill and everything, but like he's never going to be in a, in a you know a position to show it. So like why not? It, he, the type didn't fit the role. And I think yeah. in Travis Dermott's, Dermott's case, they wanted somebody who was going to push. I don't know if you're going to push Jake Muzzin and Morgan Riley, but they do want somebody who hopefully will be able to step into Morgan Riley's shoes. Should they not resign him after next season, which looks entirely possible at this point, because I don't know so where was, they're going to get the cap space. That was going to be my so, last question. Yeah. Well, so, so, so who's going to be the guy that steps into that role? Well, it's Rasmus Sandy. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, okay, so we'll end on this one because we, you know, we both have beds to go to and things to do, but so I, you know what? I, I hate being the guy who jumps on, you know, these players who've been here forever, but I have been thoroughly disappointed in what Morgan Riley has looked like this year. Keep in mind, this is a first place team, whatever, you know, you're, you're really kind of, it's the Mason Raymond syndrome. You got to find someone to get upset at, but Morgan Riley, I have been, and in recent games as well. It's not only like, will the Leafs be able to resign them? I think it's, or resign Morgan Riley when he becomes a free agent a year after this one. It's, should they? Mm-hmm. I, because I don't think that, I don't think that question has, is as clear as it once was maybe, you know, a couple months ago. 
sh- do you like should the Leafs resign Morgan Riley, given what he potentially might ask for with his offensive numbers and what you know, kind of what he's giving you? I think you gotta that all depends on what you see from Rashman Sandine in the yeah. next 18 months. I think you, you want to see what you see him from him in the playoffs, and then I want to see what he can do next year. Uh, because then you know, Muzzin and Hall, I guess, would become your top, and then you'd have Brody Sandine, I guess, and then whatever else behind them. And Lilligren, um, hopefully else. Lilligren. Like, yeah. a, a, you know, I, I keep hearing that. I mean, it's Rachel that's that's pounding that drum, right? She's like, he is a defense. He's an NHL defenseman. Yes, he is. And like, you have to keep in keep in mind how young he is. He's twenty one. Yeah, exactly. People have given up on him already. Twenty one years old. Like, can you imagine if kid. anyone gave up on you when you're twenty one? I'm glad they didn't, because I would have gone nowhere. Like, um, oh my yeah, god, he's. Man, he's a. I, I'm excited about that. I'm, you know, I'm re-energized about Lilligren because mm-hmm. I think he can bring some stuff. I feel like, man, I feel like, uh, I'm, I'm, I think with Morgan Riley is, I think after next season it comes to its natural, natural conclusion. He yeah. plays out the season. They go as deep as they can in the playoffs, and at the end of it, he's going to get a big fat contract, and he's going to deserve it. Um, and I, I have, I just. If Jim Benning is still the, the, the GM of the Canucks, <laughs> Morgan Riley's going to Vancouver. There's no That's fucking way he's not. You're right. That is, I have never seen a more clear path for a player to a team, if barring those circumstances. If Jim Benning is still in there and he's coming back next year, who knows? Yeah. He's been able to hold on to that job, you know, it, despite all of these circumstances. I think, yeah, I, I home, like he's from BC, they're, they're isn't gonna he? Say, they're going to sell Morgan Riley on like, Hey, Quinn Hughes, and you get to come home and all those sorts of things. And I think the Leafs are just going to say, we just don't have the money. You know, like you deserve more than this. He deserves more than 5 million a year. I know he's Mm -hmm. got his detractors, but again, you got to look at what a player brings to your team. Yeah. I think Quinn Hughes is a phenomenal hockey player. I think he could learn from Morgan Riley though. I think there are things that he could learn. And I think if you got Quinn doing your PP one, then you have Morgan Riley on your second power play. That's pretty great for the Canucks. Yeah. I feel like he's going to be a Canuck. That's, I just have that feeling. Me too. I, no reason, no rational reason for doing so, but that's what I would think. I, I think so too, for sure. All right, man. Thank you so much for doing this. I, you know, how, how, how long are you going to do this for Mike? Oh, we do roughly an hour, hour 37 and still that's, going strong. That's okay. A okay. I'm thrilled to be on big fan of you and Rachel, as you know, but you know, we talk off, uh, off camera mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, Rachel, you were missed this episode. I'm sorry that I couldn't bring the same actual knowledge to the to this, as, as, but I, it was a pleasure to be on, Mike, and thank you for inviting me. Thanks so much, man. Take care. <laughs>